Welcome inside the Hill City Highlights podcast, a podcast about the people of Lynchburg for the people of Lynchburg. Now, here's your host, Alan York. Welcome back to our Hill City Highlights podcast. I'm Alan York, and because the listeners have spoken, we're bringing Josh Hall back for a follow-up interview. Josh, it feels like deja vu here chatting with you. We just did it last week. But man, in the month and a half, two months we've done this podcast, I personally have not had the reaction from a guest we've had. You're in high demand, my friend. Welcome back. Well, thanks for having me back. What was it, like six listeners maybe? Seven? I think it was seven. (laughs) Um, But our goal is eight for this one. No, but for real, I posted it, you posted it, you're from here, you got a lot of friends and family that listen to it, and uh, personally for me, we, we talked baseball, and that's my wheelhouse, that's my love, um, but there was some dots that were not connected, and we need to connect some dots. Um, we're going to get on the tarmac for this episode and not so much 30,000 foot view. I do want to go back. Uh, to your major league debut, August second, two thousand and three, uh, against San Francisco. You mentioned there's a story behind getting from Jacksonville, which you were in Double A with Chattanooga at the time, and we covered the story on how you got the call from your manager. And now it's time to get to Cincinnati. Take us through that process. What you had to do uh, to get from Jacksonville, Florida, which was a road game for you at the time to a home game at the big league level. Yeah, so as I had said beforehand, you never know what's going to happen, yeah. right? Like you, you, even though I'm scheduled to pitch or I'm on a five-day rotation, man, you, you never know. Like in the world of baseball, professional baseball, you could literally be here one day, gone tomorrow, or in, in, uh, in Long Island, New York, one night and then in Tacoma, Washington the next day, yeah. right? I mean, it, that's just how it's how it is. And that, <laughs> and that's, it's crazy, but there's some fun to that too, you know, just the unexpected and, and being ready for the unexpected. Mm-hmm. So when I got, when I got the call, when I got the call and they said, I'm pitching the next day, I was actually on three days rest. I can't remember if I told you, you that yeah. before that. Yeah, so yeah. So that's a little out of the ordinary. And, you know, what's the big deal between three days and four days? It's a big deal, man. I mean, it's that's another day of recovery Mm -hmm. in a long season of lots of innings and 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 maybe arm issues. You know, I mean, I could use one more day, coach, kind of thing. You know, I mean, so um, so when I did get that, when I did get the the call, uh, it was a little. It wasn't entirely expected or unexpected, right? It, it was just, okay, three days. All right, well, I can do this. I'm going to do this. There's, <laughs> it's not like, you know, give me another day. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But um, it, kind of, it kind of put things into, into hyperdrive a little bit. But like I said, man, I, I, had, been, I had been throwing the ball really well. Yeah. And so I was, I was ready for it. I was mentally prepared for it. And I'm not even sure I had really – I might have thrown on three days rest – one one time before that but it's not the usual you know you think man nolan ryan and all those guys back in the day that they had a four-man rotation and they went on a four days you know three days rest 
and 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 then throw to 200 plus innings it's like man how did they do that right. well i mean you get into your routine and it's it is possible but um it, it it wasn't the ordinary it wasn't it wasn't the everyday thing so so i go and i get i get the call you know philip wellman i i guess what we were missing in that story are the are the details again about this is the conversation that i've been waiting for for a very long time and and i step you know we go to his hotel room and it's it's philip wellman the manager it's Bill Maloney, my pitching coach, who I'd spent a couple years with at this point in time, yep. and and he had a lot to do with me and my success at that at that time. Uh, our hitting coach Alonzo Powell was there, who's a, a good friend and just a cool guy. And he's you know, like I said, man, that's um, not that there's like a lot of bad news, but you know they have to release guys, yeah. and so they give guys the worst news of their life. And then they give guys the best news of their life. So the coaches are in there. My trainer comes in there. And I think even one of my buddies came in there with me. You know, like, um, and so it was. It, it, this is pre-social media. So in, in today's world, there's videos. There's kind of cool stuff like that. So you have now just memories in the bank. Like, there's no video of this. but And not to cut you off, but to educate fans of what it was like, you know, 20 some odd years ago yeah i mean it it was it's all it's all in here (laughs) um nobody had a video camera going or anything like that so you know when philip was he's he said he and he specifically said you know these these are the few great times that you know i get to tell a player that he's going to the big leagues because it's life-changing i mean it it really is it's life-changing and not because of of a financial way but man, for the rest of your life, if you get to play in the big leagues, you know it's not like the. Uh, I mean, I guess there's been a few guys that have gone up and didn't get to play, you know. Um, but as long as long as you got to play, you made one appearance there, man. That's it's life changing, you know. Not a lot of people can say that they made it to the big leagues, and and so and and not to not that I'm trying to put too much uh, emphasis on that, but at that point in time in my life, um, yeah, I mean that was it. That was what that was the goal, and so yeah, it'd have been great had I, you know, you're not going to sit down with Miguel Cabrera and have the same conversation. He's going to be like, yeah, I've been in the big leagues for the last 20 years, right? So it's no big deal. Yeah. He's probably forgotten most of it. Um, but at that at that time in my life, man, it was it was big time. And so he tells me, you know, and I'm like, he's like, you've earned it, you know. I mean, at this point in time, you you've earned it, and and so I, I walk out of there. My, my buddy gives me a huge hug and, you know, I'm shaking the hands of, of, of all the coaches and maybe even hugs too, you know, because they know they're, they're in it every day as far as the work that you put in. They see guys and they have the input. They're like, man, this guy, this guy's ready, right. you know. I don't know what those conversations were like, but obviously they had, they had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so I go back to my hotel room and uh and start making phone calls and obviously calling my parents you know yeah. it's like again that's the call that we've been waiting for and that's you don't even know what to say other than hey like this is it like this is this is what this is what we've worked so hard for but hey you got to be in cincinnati tomorrow right. and this is the afternoon this is a friday afternoon <clears throat> august 1st yeah. and um and so my parents no it's probably my wife first Corey 
and I didn't speak a lot about about her, but obviously I was I, I was married, still am married to the oh, same yeah. person, and uh, and but she wasn't, you know, she was like, well, at the end of that last last segment, it sounded like you could have been a single father, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with a couple of kids, but it was strictly about baseball, man. Right. You know, she was back in Chattanooga, and uh, and so yeah. I call her and I'm like, babe, like pack everything up pack everything up she's driving our our blue my dodge ram pickup yeah. single cab pickup okay <laughs> that i got that i that i got when i signed <laughs> and uh and she packed the whole the whole place up because you don't know you don't know i could be there for the rest of the season right we don't know yeah so she packs everything up by herself hops in the truck and drives five and a half hours or whatever it was to cincinnati mm-hmm. to meet me there that night by herself right like it's pretty (laughs) pretty intimidating you know but um but unbelievable at this at the same time so you know i call her then i call my parents and i might have might have shed some tears you know and 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 they were just they're beaming they're so proud and they're so happy and um and then i call my agent you know my agent uh obviously he he played a huge role in just man the support and it's a business so you can't just go talk to people as a player you know and he was a huge advocate for me he's he is a he's a true professional class act i mean you name it his name's joe comb he lives in virginia beach and uh man i mean he's like my brother like i love the guy and so he he really he really went to bat for me in a lot of you know throughout my career in a lot of different ways and so then, you know, you're calling buddies, like you're calling everybody, like who can I, who, who needs to know this? And it's kind of like you used to do when you got engaged, you, you have a Rolodex of people you call your friends, your family. Uh, at least I know when, when I got engaged, that's what we did. I can imagine those tuning in might figure the same thing, but uh, you're calling folks, you're, you're telling whoever you can, Hey, Check out the game. Come to Cincinnati if you want to. Um, and then kind of what happened from there on that Friday? Um, oh, man. I still had to go to the ballpark. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in Jacksonville. Right. I still go to the ballpark. I still have to get my work in for that day. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird because it's, I don't know what to expect. You know? It's like you're part of the organization – but for a brief moment in time, you're not with that team. You're not with Jacksonville anymore, or you're not with Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Sorry, yeah, yeah. So you're just getting your work in, yeah. you know, and uh, and and you're excited. I was excited. Even my teammates, you know, they're like they're excited and and feeling whatever else that they're feeling. And so by the time I got my work done and we were getting ready for the game before the game was supposed to start that evening, I was going to fly out. You know, whatever my whatever time my flight was, yeah. so it's just like a, a, a man. It's just a roller coaster of on the you know what's next, what's next, what's next mm-hmm. to get me there, and um, so I finally I get to the air. Whoever took me to the airport, <laughs> the clubby, I, I don't remember those details, you yeah. know. But I get to the airport, get on the flight. It was the first time I ever flew first class. You know, it was a first class wow. seat, yeah. and and uh, and an interesting little tidbit to that was. First class seat, you know, my mind is is on the game tomorrow. Obviously, I know who I'm pitching against, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to just, man, keep calm, get ready, mentally prepared. And I'm sitting next to this guy, 
that was the president of the Mar- Mars bars, like uh, oh, candy like, bar, yeah, corporation, yeah. Mars Corporation, because yeah. they're based in Cincinnati. And so, like, people probably don't even know what Mars is. I don't even know if they make the Mars bar anymore. But you know, yeah. I think that's is it M and M's? Is M and M's made by uh, uh, potentially? If you look it up, right? There's a bunch of different, you know, yeah. candy bars, and they'll things. they'll know the Mars. Yeah, they they will. So. So it was pretty. So I have a conversation with him. He's like, hey, you know, you're going to Cincinnati. Why are you going to Cincinnati? Well, <laughs> I'm making my big league debut tomorrow. He's like, wow, you know, like how cool is that? So we're talking and, yeah. and uh, just it was a great conversation. When I got called back up in September, there was a box from Mars Corporation. He had sent me a box of candy. That's that's it cool. Really cool. Man. Like what you know, just a little kind of, just a little thing there. You're in good shape. What's your favorite candy bar? Mm. You can say Mars if you want to. <laughs> I'm not sponsored by them or anything. <laughs> um, man, my favorite candy bar. Like if I were to go to a, if I were to go to a convenience store. Okay, so when I was on the road, my go-to candy bar was a which call it. They make peanut butter ones of those now too. Do they? Yeah. It's been a while since I've had one, but back then, which I'm gonna call it. That was my that was my go to. Okay, so um, you land in Cincinnati, and again to refresh the people listening, your spot start for Ryan Dempster. So you knew going into it, you're starting that Saturday, right? It wasn't, hey, we're calling you up for. I'm starting. You're you're gonna be the guy. So you get. To Great American Ballpark. I can only imagine if I was called up seeing my jersey with my last name stitched on it would just send me to tears. Like that 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 would be the moment for me outside of going onto the field and seeing everything. But that big league jersey with the major league baseball emblem on it, you know, it was twenty years ago. I think they still did those types of things. And they have them on the back of the caps as well. That that to me would be like I wanted to soak that in. What do you recall about going into that clubhouse for the first time as a big leaguer? So I went in early. I think the game was a one o'clock or one thirty yeah. start. I was there by I was there way too early, but I couldn't I couldn't help it, man. I right. I could barely sleep that night. Yeah. You know, get into Cincinnati late. Corey made it there. We go to whatever hotel I stayed at. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had me in. Barely getting sleep that night and. I go to the ballpark because I, I don't want to – it's like one of those things. And it's, it hasn't happened often, right? But it's like you have a bad dream. You have a nightmare of you're supposed to be at the ballpark. Yep. It's getting ready to be game time, and you can't find your shoes, you know, or you can't find your jersey or you're lost or you're stuck outside. Yep. It's horrible. Yep. It, it's happened a couple times to me over the years. But um, I was not – I was going to make sure that I was there in plenty of time, get right. breakfast, you know, eat, like be prepared. And so when I walked in, I was first, like I was one of the first ones there. And it's, um, I don't even know really how to describe it. I mean, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a humbling feeling because you walk in and you, I guess you really realize you really realize what it is. So when you get to when I get to Cincinnati, and and not that I don't like being in Lynchburg, okay. Lynchburg's great. I grew up here. 
Yeah. But people, it's just here, right? Like, right. it's just where I'm from, no big deal. When I go to Cincinnati or Dayton, even today, and people know that I played for the Reds, it's they treat you different. Yeah. And so that night, I've got my Reds. Like, when I, when I pulled in into the hotel or when I got to the hotel and I've, I've got my stuff with me, I've got my Reds bag, I get into the hotel and people are looking at you. And it's like, hey, hey, are you with the Reds? Obviously. Right. Yeah, I've got my Reds bag here. It's not like everybody's walking around with one of those things. So I say that to say that it's just, it's just different. Mm-hmm. And so when you go to the ballpark in Cincinnati, I mean, it's on like – Pete Rose way, you know, and you go into the, you, you go outside Great American Ballpark and there's statues of guys. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a fan of the game and I think it's, I think it's awesome. Like what guys are able to do in the game of baseball. It's amazing just with my experience and my knowledge for guys to be able to play as long as they do given injuries and everything else. Right. But they're not gods, you know, but still, when you walk in there, it's like, man, and you're a player, you're like, man, King Griffey Jr.'s over there. Man, that's Barry Larkin's locker. You know, I mean, Hall of Fame, Hall of Famers. Yeah. And this is what they do. This is their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's humbling. It's like, man, you almost have a little bit of, of uh, feel like, do I really belong? Because you haven't been there yet, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, the co- the cocky young young guy. Yeah, man, I belong here. I'm supposed to be here. I've been waiting to do this my whole life. But then you get around those guys, and it puts you in your place. Yeah. If that if that makes any sense no, at absolutely. all. Um, so yeah, it was it was really cool. But I, like I said, I was the first one there. They have a kitchen. They have a kitchen in the clubhouse. Um, and so I went in there, and there's a chef there, and he's like, "Yeah, man, what can I make you for breakfast?" <laughs> Long gone are the days of peanut butter and jelly in the clubhouse of the uh, lower levels of minor league baseball. I imagine, too, as a kid, maybe going to Disney World or Disneyland and seeing it for the first time, like, whoa, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, so what did this chef make you? I know it was 20 years ago, but omelet or what are we West, talking about here? Western, Western omelet, yeah. Eggs never tasted so good, did they? It was great, man. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's everything you dream of, you know? Um so we talked about the game and facing Barry Bonds and getting that baseball back that he hit a home run off of you. Um, but what did they tell you? Okay, you're going to spot start for Ryan Dempster. Then what? Uh, you, you went back down for a month and came back up in September. Um, not that they have to tell you anything, but you say you got to prepare for everything. So when did you go back down? And what did they tell you when you went back down? about, hey, we might bring you back up, or what What do they tell you as far as the administration and pitching coach, Don Gullett, or, or whatever, anything like that? You're on a need-to-know basis, yep. and you don't need to know. You know, uh, it's it's kind of one of those situations. They didn't say you're going to make a spot start. Okay. They just said, hey, you're starting tomorrow. Wow. And so you don't know. And, and like I had said before, the the situation in Cincinnati was was pretty rocky. Yeah. Um, there was no official GM. It was a mix of two or three guys trying to make the best decisions that they could. And so <clears throat> when I made the start on Saturday, came back on Sunday, um, and had the game, I was there for the game. Yeah. 
But after the game, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was. I didn't know what I was going to do. They were going on the road. Right. They were going on the road. Everybody's packed up, ready to go, and I'm like, "Hey, what do you think?" You know. And even then, it's not like they're waiting to come tell you. Right. Like I almost had to go check in with somebody and be like, "Hey, yeah. hey, uh, Don Gullett, do you have you heard anything? You know, what am I doing tomorrow? Um, or what what am I doing here?" Another little side note, because of all the, the, the changes that they had made, Dave Miley was the, mm-hmm. the interim manager. Well, he had been in AAA, man. He had been in, in minor league baseball for his whole life. I mean, really. And so that was just as big of a, of an, of a, of a time for him in his life, right, um, in his career. Mm-hmm. And so he's on – everybody's on a need-to-know basis. Right. Nobody knows what's going on. Okay. We just know that there's a game tomorrow, and we have to prepare for that. And so at the end of that night – they said, hey, go home. We'll call you. Go, go back to the hotel or wherever wherever I was. I was probably staying with some friends of mine at that point in time because I have – it seemed I always caught – and I probably told you this. I always caught a lot of flack for having a buddy in every town. I'm blessed with a lot of friends, I guess, <laughs> you know. And so I do have some, some friends, a lot of friends that – well, I played in Dayton a couple years yeah. before that. and so, uh, But I did have friends there in Cincinnati, and I think I was staying with them. And so they just said, hey, we'll call you. So I go, I go home, and they ended up calling me and said, hey, you're going to go back. You're going to go back to Chattanooga. Yeah. We, don't, we don't know. We don't know. Just keep doing what you're doing. Stay ready. Be ready. And hopefully we'll see you soon. So I go back to Chattanooga yeah. and, um, and make a few more starts. And it's, again, you get to the end of that season. I don't, we didn't make the playoffs. Uh, mm-hmm. So – Back then, the the minor league season ended on Labor Day. Yep. Labor Day was always kind of like the last day. Yep. And going into that, those last few days, nobody had been called up. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what was going on. I mean, really, it's like every everybody's in the dark. Wow. I'm not saying it's always like that, but at that time, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And so the <clears throat> the tricky part was for me, and this is like. This could be a whole nother conversation because I don't know how far you want to go, but the, my shoulder was not, was not great. Right. Okay. Like, it's not like I piece it through the season, but, um, I mean, there were some rocky outings. There were some rocky times at the time when I got called, when I got called up, when I made my debut, I was feeling really good and I was pitching really, really well and had been doing so for a couple of weeks so like everything was was good to go back a few yeah during the all-star break which is like what the first week of july or Mm -hmm. second week of july whatever it is like there at the beginning of july um my shoulder wasn't good i was kind of having some rocky starts and it was like i'd have two bad or two good starts and then a bad start and then an okay start and it was just kind of a roller coaster like really inconsistent but my shoulder wasn't feeling good and I was, I communicated that with my trainer, and he's like, he's like, okay, so how about, how about during during the All Star break, we go see Doctor Krimchek, and kind of just get get his take, get this thing checked out. He and that's the Reds, doctor, correct. if you will, in Cincinnati. Okay, yes. got it. Yeah, Doc, Timothy, yeah, Doctor Timothy Krimchek, okay. and he's. I don't know. I'm not going to say he's famous, but I mean, yeah. he's done quite a few surgeries in his life and he's a big deal in the Cincinnati area. Right. 
Um, and he's a great, he's a great guy. And, and, uh, man, I, I, I'm, I have recently talked to him. Like I still have had a few, a few conversations with him over the years. It doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) Steve O, Steve Bauman was our, was our double A trainer who would end up going to the big leagues. And he spent, he was a, he was the, the head trainer in the big league level for 15 years. I spoke to him a couple months ago. And I think his last year was 21. So, man, he had a great career, and it was it was good. So he he's from Cincinnati, also. He's like, hey, I'm going to go up there, but I'll go with you to see Dr. Krimchek to get it checked out. We go there, Krimchek checks out my shoulder, does all of his little tests and everything. I always have pain, so pain is just like, it's like really, how bad is it? That's that's the that's the main question. You're dealing with it, but how much can you deal with it? And so from what he can see, you know, I've got, it's in, you know, inflammation. I've still got that pinch. Um, So, you know, he's like, okay, you guys need to do these stretches daily. You need to work on these things uh, as far as like strengthening wise. And I'm going to put you on a, on a dose pack uh, to kind of get you over the hump. Like hope, you know, hopefully that makes you feel better. If these things don't work, then we need to take it to the next level or take it to the next step, which is probably get an MRI and go back to the drawing board, you know? And so those things did help. It did help. And I started pitching well, so forth and so on, make it, you know, go go to the big leagues, mm-hmm. go back to Chattanooga to finish the season. But by the those last couple of weeks, man, it was just it still wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Steve O. What do I do? I could go in up in September. He's like, I don't know what to tell you, man. He's like, really, I really don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't want to put myself away, you know, and be like, hey, I can't. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, you know, my shoulders hurt and I'm I'm done. I don't want to do that. I want to go pitch. Yeah. But I also want to be at my best, you know, or as close to my best as I can be. And so we get to that last day, and basically the. <laughs> The conversation me and Steve had was, let's see what happens. He was like, we'll see what happens. Let's see what happens. I know what you, you know, mm-hmm. I've communicated everything with him. He knows what's going on. And if we have to call Dr. Krimchek, then we'll make the call. Right. But go home and just kind of see what happens first. Mm-hmm. So we do. So on my way home, I call my agent. I have the same conversation with him. He's like, Josh, I haven't heard anything. I'm going to make some phone calls. We're going to figure out what's going on. Because I told him, I was like, Joe, my, my shoulder's not good. Like, I don't know what to do about it. You know, I don't know if, if it just, if I, I don't know. I don't know what I need, but it's just not, it's not great. Mm. And the season that I had was too inconsistent. I want to be consistent. <clears throat> so he's like, this is on a Monday night, yeah. Labor Day, right? <clears throat> he says, okay, we'll give it till Friday. We'll give it till Friday. If we don't hear anything by Friday, we're going to call and and you're going to go see Dr. Krimchak. Okay. Sounds like a plan. We get home and I say home, Corey and I were married. We didn't have a home. At the time we were living in her parents' basement. And yeah, that had been good for an off season or two. But man, if we could do something else, that'd be great. Yeah. I had made it to the big leagues. I was making a little bit better money at the time. Yeah. 
And so, you know, let's look for something else. Sure. So we were actually staying with Corey's sister, Kelly, and her mm-hmm. husband at the time. Okay. And, and somehow lined it up to go look at a few homes with a realtor that we knew. Holly Woldridge here in, in, in Lynchburg. And um, so Wednesday, she had lined it up for us to go look at, I don't know, man, like six or seven houses based on whatever price point we were looking at back then. We find one that we like. She puts an offer in on it. They accept it the next day. So Wednesday, Thursday, they accepted it Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon. We're like, oh my gosh, like this could really happen that we're going <laughs> to get this house. Maybe, I yeah. mean, things are escalating yeah. quickly Friday morning, still haven't heard anything from anybody. Okay. Friday morning. We have, <laughs> we have a meeting with our loan officer Yeah. <laughs> and we're in that meeting and we're going through all the financials and all this stuff. You know, what you're, what you're making, blah, all of the questions. And he's like, so what do you guys want to put down on this house? If you put down, if you can't, if you can't put down 20%, I think this still applies today. Um, then you have to pay PMI, which is a mortgage insurance, which if you can get away with not paying it, then, then don't. Right. And I was like, well, I don't, you know, he asked the question. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. We may be able to do that. It depends on what happens today. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) it depends on what happens over this next week or so. And right about that time, I get a phone call from my agent. And I step out and he said, hey. Want to go back? (laughs) You're you're pitching tomorrow. (laughs) You're pitching tomorrow Mm. in Cincinnati against... Pittsburgh. No, that's not what he said. I take this back. He said, I heard from the Reds, you're starting against Pittsburgh on Tuesday in Cincinnati. I'm like, that's great. Obviously, praise the Lord, right? Um, And then we work out the details because he's like, do you want to wait? They're on the road right now. They're in St. Louis. Do you want to meet them there or do you want to wait till they get back to Cincinnati? I'm like, no, man, I want to go. Like, yeah. like I want to go. I need, I need to get back into it. Right. You know, I've been at home this week. It's weird. Um, I threw a couple times, but it's not the same. Like it's not the same, just not the same environment. Yeah. <clears throat> I said, I need to, I need, like I hadn't pitched in over a week. Sure. So I needed to get back, get back going. And so he's like, okay, I'll line it up. You know, I'll step back into that meeting. Um, like, hey, hey, uh, his name is Jim McKinney. Jim McKinney uh, had a had a sign on his, I think he deemed himself the lone arranger. You know, like <laughs> the, the lone arranger, you know, and had like the cowboy hat and all that right. stuff. Oh, man. And, uh, but he was, he was a good guy and he took good care of us. And, uh, and I said, hey, Jim, that was the call we've been waiting for. We're going to put down that 20% on this house. Yeah. So it worked out, you know. But man, what a what a crazy week, you know. And so then the more the next morning, I fly out to go to St. Louis and meet the team in St. Louis. Alan, I haven't thrown, I haven't pitched in over a week. Okay, I walk into the clubhouse, Old Bush Stadium. Yeah. Walk into the clubhouse. You know everybody. Everybody's there. Yeah. And I go. I go and uh, say hi to, to Dave Miley. Hey, I'm I'm here. You know, make myself known. I'm here. Um, 
whether you guys knew it or not, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no telling, but, uh, they, they knew. Right. And, uh, and so I, I think Don Gullett was in the next office and I'm yeah. like, Hey Gully, I'm here. You know, I need to throw a bullpen today. He's like, yeah, about that. He's like, he said, we played last night. We had an 11 inning game. Aaron Harang went out mm. in the first. Mm. So our bullpen's pretty spent. Yep. He's like, we don't want you to get in the game, but there's a chance that you might have to pitch today. I'm like, that's great. That's <laughs> awesome. Right. I haven't come out of the bullpen, oh but maybe like once in my life okay. at that point in time. I and I think that might have been earlier in the season in Chattanooga when it was going to rain like at the start. And they kind of like – it was so close that yeah. they started a reliever instead of me. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I wasn't used to coming out of the bullpen. And so uh, – so, yeah, I stayed down in the bullpen. Sure enough, man, seventh inning rolls around. Phone phone rings. Hall, you got the eighth. I'm like, oh, my gosh. First hitter, Albert Pujols. No, we haven't talked about Albert Pujols. <laughs> uh, that's pretty cool. Um, how'd that at-bat go? I uh, got him 0-2 with yeah. two, of my best, two of my best curveballs. Like a get-me-over curveball for yeah. strike one, and then another one down, yeah. like down – Maybe not necessarily in the dirt, but he swung through it. Mm-hmm. Now what? Now what do you do? I picked and I walked him. Mm. What an idiot, you know? Mm. Like, just go right at him. It was a, I'm going to say it was a mop-up situation. Um, you know, we were down by too many runs. Yeah. And uh, I ended up, get, I faced Pujols, Scott Rowland, Edgar <laughs> Renneria. Yeah. Um, ended up giving up, ended up giving up two runs in that inning. Yeah. In my defense, okay, and I'm not blaming anybody, no. but yeah. Renneria hit a ball up the middle on the second base side. And, you know, in those in those situations back in the day, I say back in the day, like it could still happen today. You know, like intensity from a player means a lot. Mm-hmm. If things aren't going well and guys didn't have a good at bat, they're, you know, they're not having a good day, they might not get after it. Yeah. Defensively. They'll make it look like they're getting after it, but you know, yeah. you could have gotten that ball. Yeah, he's dogging it. Yeah, and he and I'm not going to mention who it was because no, yeah. I ended, he he ended up being he's a really great guy. We <laughs> we played together for uh, the next year or two, and um, or later on, and he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. But I think he kind of dogged it on that play, and he might would say the same thing. But <laughs> he he let it go. You know, he just didn't go all out. And uh, I, I'm not even talking about diving. I'm talking yeah. about just going to get a ball. And uh, two runs ended up scoring. It doesn't matter. I mean, it was, sure. it happened. So okay. I'm not blaming. I should have made better pitches. Shouldn't have walked Albert Pujols. It's just how it goes. Man, 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 man. Josh Hall is our guest. Uh, second week in a row we've had Josh on. Uh, Lynchburg native, uh, former big league pitcher with Cincinnati. So you made a couple more appearances there, Josh, in the 03 season. Season comes to an end. And... You go under the knife again. You have surgery. And then, you know, I do want to talk about the next six seasons. I mean, 04 to 2010 when you retired. Um, how close did you get back to the form that would justify you being in the big leagues? And what was that journey like? those next six years, which was with uh, a number of other organizations. So just remind us kind of uh, where you were and, and how close maybe you got to getting back to the big leagues. 
Um, so at the end of the 2000, 2003 season, I, I ended up having my second shoulder surgery. Uh, the first surgery was considered a type, a type four slap repair, which is a torn labrum, a torn bicep tendon, and a shrinkage of the capsule. Okay. Mm-hmm. In my in in my history, okay, at that time or since then, the guys that I knew that had that surgery. I was the only one that made it back. Mm. Like, there's a couple other guys, notable guys that I could probably mention that they didn't come back. Right. You know, so I was very fortunate and blessed to be able to come back and pitch um, given having that surgery at the time. Yeah. And, and back then they used dissolvable tacks mm. to mm. do it. They ended up going away from that using dissolvable tacks. The reason I'm saying that is at the end of the season – my last start was against Chicago at home, and my arm felt like trash. Mm. And I was, and I pitched like trash. When two weeks before in Chicago against you know in at Wrigley Field, man, I felt great, yeah. and I pitched great. Yeah. And that was kind of the season I had had, and it was very frustrating. And so I actually I met with uh, Mark Mann was the head trainer at that time. And I met with Brad Coleman, um, who was one of the interim GMs. Like, I let Mark know what was going on with my shoulder, kind of the, everything that had led up to that point with Steve-O, uh, down, you know, double-A and all of that. It was like, okay, what, what's going on here? Because I was frustrated with it. And so I told Brad, I was like, I can't figure it out. I had... A really good start two weeks ago. I felt good, you know, and then the next start was okay. The next start, you know, it was just okay. Yesterday, I felt like crap, and I threw like crap, and I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand. It's not right. It's not right. Do Should I continue like this? Because if I do, being inconsistent like that is going to get you out the door, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't want to do that. So and I'm not saying I have any regrets, but, yeah. man – we talked to Krimchek. He's like, well, the only thing, if, if we do an MRI, it's just going to show that you've already had surgery. He was like, we're going to have to go in and we're going to have to, we're going to have to see what's going on. He's like, if it's bad, I got to take care of it. I got to fix it. You know, hopefully it's not, hopefully it's just something minor and man, we go in and clean it up and you're getting ready for next season. And that was not the case. Yeah. And it was really, um, I'm not saying I haven't cried much in my life, <laughs> but when I got, when yeah. I came to in yeah. that surgery, Corey was there. Yeah. And back then, man, it was pretty cool. Krimchek was on the, I'm going to say he's on the cutting edge of things. Corey watched my whole surgery. She was in, I'm not going to say in the room, but she was watching it. Oh, you know, wow. this is like back when they started like, I don't know. I, they're letting people watch surgeries and right. Krimchek was telling her over what yeah, what he was doing, like oh. everything. It was yeah. really, really neat, and really cool experience for her. Um, <laughs> me, not so much. Right. But <laughs> I get out of it and I'm like, what happened? She was like, your labrum was torn and he had to, he had to fix it. Mm-hmm. And he put, he put two screws in it. Dude. I mean, uh, I cried. Like, I mean, it was, yeah. it was really hard. Wow. It was really hard yeah. because I knew of what, I knew what it had taken to get, mm. to get 
through the first surgery that I had. And there's that, there's never a guarantee. It's not like, and I'm not saying that if you have Tommy John today, you know, guys come, they, they say, oh, well, it's just Tommy John. You'll be back in 10 months. Man, anytime you have surgery, it's never guaranteed, right? Especially back then, this was 20 years ago. So it was, it was very disheartening. It was rough, man. It was frustrating. So to answer your question, I missed the whole next year. Okay. And I ended up, because my shoulder still wasn't feeling great, man, I had, I was, I was in rehab down in Sarasota, and I had this half a golf ball size rock in my shoulder. I'm like, hey, this isn't normal. Like, I'm throwing. It was, it was just scar tissue. It was scar tissue. So I ended up having another surgery um, back in, in the end of July or something like that. I actually went through my whole throwing program and had gotten on the mound. But when I got on the mound, it was just not it was it was not good. Another little tidbit, okay, yeah. kind of. But talking about the future and and kind of where things went, I had started my throwing program during spring training. So in '04, after the season in '03, um, I'm I'm on my throwing program. I'm there in big league camp, right? And so I go out with the team and I'm throwing and playing catch with whoever I was playing catch with. And Dave Miley walks by me. And I'll never, you know, there are things that you just never forget. Impactful times, right? Dave Miley walks by me and he's like, hey, Joshy, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing good. He's like, how how things going? It's going as good as they can, you know? <laughs> Skip, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You don't call people coach in, uh, in professional right. baseball. That's a whole nother, we could, we could go over that one day too. But <laughs> the old unwritten stuff that you just, when you know, you know. Yeah. You know, so. And so, I'm so like, he's the skipper he's or the skip, skipper. you know, yeah. that's right. So he's still a manager. Like they probably signed a contract with him and he's the manager, not just the interim manager. Yep. And so, uh, and so he's like, he's like, Hey, just want to tell you that, you know, we remember what you did last year and you just, just get rid, just get, come back, just get back, yeah. get back, get, get healthy. Cause we, we didn't, we're not going to forget. Mm. Dude. I mean, that's like, wow. Talk about a boost of confidence, man. Let's get this going, you know, like start throwing even more. And, and it just, it just, uh, it just didn't, it it didn't work. It just didn't work as much as I tried, you know? So I ended up having that basically a cleanup job, a debrement is the technical term for it. Medical, medical term, I guess. Um, they took that, all the scar tissue out, just kind of cleaned it up and, and basically sent me home at the end of that and we're like hey uh and at the end of that season we're like get ready for spring training you know come into spring training ready to go oh yeah. like, five. Okay. five. yeah yeah oh five so amongst their their turmoil in the front office they hired a new gm mm-hmm. they might have even ah oh, man i went through three owners and four different gms in my time with the reds Three different owners, okay? And so, like, everybody wants to do their own thing. They hired a new GM. His name is Dan O'Brien. So anytime that somebody comes in, they want to do their own thing. They bring all their own people. I come come into – I might not have come into big league camp. They had to end up – they ended up releasing me and signing me back to a minor league contract. I come into normal spring training – I feel like that was what was going on. Maybe not. Maybe I did come in, into big league camp. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, you know, I was kind of, I was still rehabbing, so it didn't really matter. 
and I, I didn't make a club out of, I was still rehabbing when spring training broke. I stayed in Sarasota. That's when I actually played with Joey, Joey Votto. Um, he was in high A. We had a team, we had a team in Sarasota that year. And so it worked, worked well that our spring training was there and we had a team right there. So, you, you know, rehab guys could make, make appearances or get their work in, right. in a game situation, you know, a real game situation outside of the Gulf coast league. <laughs> and so, um, so I ended up pitching, you know, I, I don't know, made a couple starts, was feeling better. Um, it was really rough at that level because guys tend to hack. And it's like once you get to a higher level and you start pitching differently, you know, it's different. Like you go to a lower level, and this is if you ever go to spring training, I'm sure you went through this too, being down there. You know, they'll, they'll say, well, that big leaguer got crushed today in that, in that high A game or that A ball game that he pitched in. Well, because they're just swinging, you know, like they there's no thought process to what they're doing. Yeah. And so that was a little bit of frustrating <clears throat> frustration for me at that time. Long story short, they sent me back to double A. I'm pitching in double A. Every start, man, I'm getting better, feeling better, doing better. Um, the people that Dan O'Brien had brought in were coming in. So they were kind of getting to know me and see me. There were still some other guys that were still there from, you know, from the old regime, if you will. Yeah. Brad Coleman was one of them who was the interim GM at the time when I got, when I got called up. So it's kind of like you have people in your corner, you know? Um, I spent the whole season in double A and I remember being, it might've been in Jacksonville again. I made a start down in Jacksonville, and Brad Coleman was there. Like, he was there. And I'm not saying he was there to see me, yeah. but it was – he was there, which doesn't happen that often. And I went, like, eight scoreless or something. Like, I kind of threw really well. And he he made a point, like, came to me after the game. He's like, hey, you feeling pretty good? I was like, yeah. He was like, you look good, man. Wow. Like, you keep doing what you're doing, and, like, we like what we see. Yeah. Man, what another boost of confidence, right? That's cool. So I signed back with the Reds at the end of the – I think I threw maybe 140-some innings yeah. that, that year. Okay. Coming off of surgery, sure. you know, which is pretty good for any season, but especially somebody coming off their second shoulder surgery, second and third. <laughs> um, and that offseason, man, Joe goes back, Joe, my agent, talking to the Reds. We signed back with them. Yeah. Get an invite, a non – whatever it was non-rostered. called non roster yeah. invitee to to big league camp yep. and so i'm i'm there man i'm back hmm. dan o'brien was the gm i don't know what happened 2 weeks into spring training dan o'brien got fired dan o'brien got fired maybe it wasn't 2 weeks into spring yeah, training maybe yeah. it was 2 weeks right before spring training i think that was that's that's the that's what happened okay he gets fired, and all of his guys get fired. Oh, my goodness. Okay? They bring in another guy. I can't remember this, this guy's name to, to right off the top of my head. Yeah. But, of course, he does the same thing. He starts bringing in his own people. Man, everybody is like. So you're having to audition again, it seems like, in front of all these new people. Well, I mean, yeah. even the coaches at that time, man, everybody's like ducking. Like, he's laying low. You know what I mean? Because it. They don't who's know next? who's next. Yeah. And the players are like, what is going on here? And we're just trying to get ready for the season and trying to perform and trying to impress and do every, make a job, you know, make a team, have a job. And uh, I think they brought 
they brought Bob Boone back in. Okay. And that, you know, uh, would would end up. I'm not saying it was a bad thing for me, but I didn't. I didn't get many looks. Yeah. I didn't get many looks. I ended up getting hurt. We were bunting one day. Yeah, bunting, and I got jammed. Somebody throwing it. I don't. Know, I guess it was a two seamer that ran in on me, and it like bruised my thumb up. Like my hand like blew up, and so I ended up kind of missing a couple of days. And it was just like a, a weird random thing, and I get sent down. I get sent down to go to AAA. I'm like, okay, I'll go to AAA. I've never pitched in AAA, so it was kind of exciting. Like, hey, let's see how this goes. You know, like I'm excited about it. Um, so this was spring training still, spring, right? like, well, or towards the end of it. Yeah, and, towards the end of it, they sent me down out of camp, gotcha. out of big league camp. Yeah. And you're in minor league camp, and I'm on the AAA roster, and I end up going to AAA, which is Louisville. Um, Forty man still for you or not? I'm not. No, no, okay. no. So that's because you were no three. When right, said, yeah. and 04. So Got I it. technically spent all of 04 on the big league roster. Well, on the big league roster, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, but at the end of that season, I was on the DL the whole year. Right. They ended up releasing me. And um, then you signed back. I signed back a minor, a minor league deal. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I wasn't on the 40-man. And, and, again, hadn't really impressed or done much to impress. But it was a weird situation, man. There was a lot of, a lot of weird stuff going on at that time. Triple so A was Louisville? Triple A was Louisville. Okay. Yep. So we we go and go into Louisville, and I'm you know I'm excited. Like, and I personally, obviously, have been with the Reds this entire time. Forever. Yeah. Right. But in the business world, it doesn't matter. It really just doesn't matter. To Wayne Krifsky, that's who it was. He became the GM that that time. He was a Twins guy. He came from the Twins and was bringing Twins guys in. You know, it's just who's who's this you know who's this guy? He didn't. It doesn't matter. It's just a number, you know. Um, and so I go to Louisville, and I'm like the fifth starter. But at least I'm there. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that negatively, but I'm there, and I am starting. Uh, Mario Soto was the pitching coach because they didn't really have a pitching coach, and he just kind of volunteered yeah. to be there. Like I said, a lot of weird stuff going on. Rick Sweet was was my, my manager. So we go there, and Rick Sweet would post every day, like, that lineup for the day, who's pitching, and then kind of a forecast of the next couple days, right? Like, basically just a rotational, who's got tomorrow, starting, so forth and so on. And it's like, my name's there, my name's there, my name's there, and then, all right, it's gone. And it's not there anymore. And I'm like, it's weird, you know? I did make my first two starts. We started the season in Ottawa, Canada, for some reason, in April, which is cold. really cold. <laughs> so I started a game. I don't think I made that. I didn't, I didn't pitch in the first series. I ended up pitching in the second series, which was in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's like, you know, if you're the fifth guy, and I'm not, again, I'm not making excuses, but this is just kind of how it goes. Yeah. I think I went 12 days without pitching in a game you know because of how the schedule works and and they want their one and two you know they want their top guys to get innings and so i might have gotten skipped i mean just it was just part of the thing part of the deal i make a couple starts find out you know like i said i walk in one day and my name's not on the not on the list like hmm that's weird what's going on here um and 
find out that they had signed a guy that maybe had gotten released out of camp. I think their first move was Joe Mays, who pitched in the pitched in the big leagues for a number of years, had a really good season with the Twins a couple years before that. Yeah. So he was Krivsky's guy. Like, he gets an opportunity. Uh, they there's, there's the Twins connections here starting to surface, yeah. yeah. They sign him. Well, somebody's got to go. Yeah. They send me down. Maybe I skipped a start. I can't remember. But eventually – it happened. They're like, hey, we're, we got to send you down to double A. Well, at this point in time, I spent 02, 03, and most of 05 in double A. I was like thinking, what am I going to prove there? You know what I mean? Like, why? What, am, what, what is going on? And it was, it was really a, a situation where I, they called me into the office, and there are – so Tim Naring mm. – Tim Naring, he was our head of player development yeah. there for a, a number a number of years. Well, when they made all the shakedowns, he was like the the he became like the field coordinator. He's in that meeting. There's a couple other guys in this meeting, okay, in Rick Sweet's office, and he's like, "Hey, we, we're going to have to send you down." And I'm looking around the room. Oh, the other one. Mac Jenkins. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Mac Jenkins, who is the AAA pitching coach for a number of years. Yeah. Um, he was the pitching coordinator at the time. Like, there's some there's some uh, head honchos in this room. And I look at them, and I'm like, really? Like, we're this is what we're doing? And they couldn't hardly even look at me. Like, they couldn't even – Tim Naring could not even look at me. And I mean, we had had, like, I had a pretty good relationship with him. And I understand it's not his fault. It's not Mac Jenkins' fault. They're just, they're just there. They're, they're there to protect themselves. You know, it, at the end everybody of the day, is. man, everybody is, everybody right? Is, yeah. And so it was, it, it was, I said, okay. I was like, if that's where we are, that's what we're doing. It's like, man, I've been here for eight years. And yes, y'all have stuck with me. Yeah. You know, I've had yeah. shoulder surgeries, I've had injuries. And I, but I appreciate, I appreciate you sticking with me, but is it, was it for this? Like, do I, do I really deserve that? I, should I have had that conversation with them? Maybe not, but I did. I couldn't help it. Yeah. It was just, it's when I kind of, that's when I realized that baseball was a business and it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so I went down, ended up getting called back up, maybe even less than a week later. Made a couple of, you know, same. To AAA. To AAA. Yeah, yeah. Made another couple few starts or whatever. Whatever my role was at the time. Man, he signed somebody else. <laughs> they sent me back down again. Oh I think I I think I came back up one more time and something else happened. Yes. And they sent me down again. And I was like, you know what? I was like, just leave me down here. And that was probably not the best thing to say. <laughs> I mean, really. <clears throat> Because if you want to, if you want to change, but they weren't giving me. I was going up there to just to be like a safety valve, you know. And I think I might have even come out of the bullpen once or twice. It was, it just wasn't. It wasn't a great. I did not like the situation, and and it didn't matter. It didn't matter what I did. If I pitched well or if I didn't, I was still just going to be that guy. And so when they sent me down the last time, um, I was like, you know what? Just leave me down here. Leave me down here. Let me get my innings. Let me do what I need to do. And and get out of here, really. Yeah. At the end of the year, just release like, me. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah, and I'll sign with somebody else yeah. because I'm healthy. I'm yeah. feeling better. Yeah. I'm pitching better when I get the opportunities. It was just so. It was just so weird, 
And so to answer your question, okay, <laughs> that ended my time with the Reds, okay. un- unfortunately. And like I said, I, you know, I tell people, like, I grew up with them. I don't mean I grew up, like, watching the Reds, but I signed with them at 17 years old and played with them until I was 25 or 26. Yeah. Um, 26. And so it was just a – I wish it went better. Right. But given the, the situations – and they couldn't help it. It's just business. I feel like had things stayed the way that they were, um, even with Dan O'Brien and that whole crew coming in, I feel like I would have had a chance, yeah. and I and I and I would have gotten a chance to go back to the big leagues. When 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 they left and they got fired, it really, it, it eventually turned out that I wasn't going to have a chance. Hmm. It just worked out that way. So I ended up signing with the, the Nationals. A lot of Reds guys, Jim yeah. Bo, Jim Bowden, yeah. ended up being with the Nationals then, and uh, and they signed me. They signed me and a bunch of other you know some other Reds guys, and. Um, Man, I just kicked around, you know, and and I could go deeper into far as far as what happened with those guys and the rest of my career, changing arm angles and um, pitching out of the bullpen, and and uh, I'm not making excuses. It, no. It's just it's what happened, but I just never, I never made it back. I never made it back. And um, did I have a chance? Possibly. I pitched in AAA with with the Nationals. I pitched in AAA with the with the Rockies. But it's like once you kind of become a free agent, unless you really start doing something um, extraordinary, right. it's it's really hard. It's really tough. And and I didn't. I think the you know the key to that is if you are a free agent, um, I didn't have a whole lot of big league time behind me. You know, it was just like a, a a flash, a brief flash. Was it good? Yeah, it was okay. But it wasn't enough to like sustain me yeah. to to get jobs. And then obviously the whole the whole history with my my shoulder, so it was. I mean, I can see it from a business standpoint. The other thing, and not again, not another excuse, but <laughs> this is in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. You know that whole time period where the economy wasn't good. Yeah. And so when I came up with the Reds, and it was nothing for them to have a roster full in AAA of former big league guys or older veteran guys that they paid you know, quite a bit of money to, right. to be there, whether it was to look good for their triple A roster or to be there as a backup, you know, if, in case they needed to pull somebody up if they weren't on the, on the 40 man, does that make sense? So like, you know, the young guys were always down lower. And so it was always kind of a goal. Okay. Well, when I get to double AA, A triple A and I get older, you know, I should be able to stay there and have opportunities well, man, they didn't, the economy affected them too. And so they're like, we're not going to pay you whatever it was when we can pay this 22 year old or this 20 year old or less that, you know, has some talent, we can pay him the same thing to do what you're going to do. And so they release you. And so then I go to the Atlantic league and, and which became, it was a good thing for the Atlantic league because all these older veterans start, start playing and, and, and they pick them up, which was a great league to be in, but it, it just made it, it made the goal, the end goal of getting back to the big leagues, really, hard. really difficult. Yeah. yeah, really hard. What's in your uh, memorabilia room? I've been in your house before, but I've never seen your man cave. If you have one, no, I've not been there. Um, been in your kitchen a couple times, but yeah, really memorabilia. Cool. Like, sorry. are you are you a big memorabilia buff from your career? And what are 
house is on fire, I'm grabbing these. You, there's got to be one or two things. Mm. I mean, it's God all- forbid your house hopefully does yeah. not catch fire, Josh. Not, so, not going wood. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Alan. There we go. But um, if it's like, okay, do or die, I'm not parting with this. What what would it be? I, I don't I don't love that. I don't love it that much, okay. right? Like I'm not. Uh, I don't. It's just stuff, stuff. right? It's yeah. just stuff. And um, but you've got stuff for a no, reason I, right now. Yeah, I do. Well, I do too. I mean, so. I've, I've got my. I've got a couple jerseys. I've got a glove. I've got some spikes. I've got some hats. I've got too many hats. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I've got some things down there. Um, I've got score like the. Um, it's not the lineup, card. the lineup cards. You know, I've got the lineup card for my debut. I've got um, anybody sign that? No. Okay. It's like it's the it's it's just it's just the original, yeah. right? But it's it's the Giants. Nobody nobody signed it though. But it's got you know like that was like in the dugout or just like a piece of paper that has the box score on. No, that's what they had in the yeah, dugout. Like it was the actual thing, yeah. um, which is pretty cool actually. You know, yeah. um, but it's got the. You know, that's about when they started. 2003 is when they started doing the – they put stickers on everything to, to – Authenticate make it, it. Yeah, to authenticate it. Yeah. So it's got that, and it's really cool. Um, one of the cool parts, uh, pieces that I have, that I do have, uh, one of our, our broadcasters was a guy by the name of George Grand. I don't know if yeah. you know that name or oh, not. Yeah. You yeah. should if you've been <laughs> – if yeah. you've been in the, uh, the broadcasting world, man, he's, he's – He's a, one of the ESPN original exactly. broadcasters back in like 79, 80. He's, so, he's, a yeah. leg- he's a legend, really. I mean, he, sh- he should be if you don't consider him a legend. He's a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Well, he was one of our broadcasters, man. And, and we're, so we're on the road, we're on the road. And so I got to know him a little bit, you know, having conversations with him. We go to Philadelphia yeah. at, the, at the vet and I pitch and I didn't pitch that great, but, um, I'd got the hit, you know, I got my, right. the single Randy Wolf. Well, so all the, not all the broadcasters, but a lot of broadcasters do the, do the game. They're doing the game while they're, while they're talking and, you know, um, but they're, you know, they have their score sheets. And so he gives me his score sheet, That's man, cool. at the end of the day or yeah. at the end of the game. He got everybody to sign it. How cool is that? that is cool. I mean, really, what a, what a classy move, you know? He didn't have to do that. No. But he's like, hey, Josh, I want to give this to you, man. You got your, you got your first hit and my one and only hit. Wow. And got guys to sign it. How cool is that? I don't sign mine, but if a kid at Liberty has a great basketball game, because that's something I have with me, I can physically give them. Yeah. Like Darius McGee had some, you know, scoring record games. I would give the kids, I don't know whether or not they keep them. I don't know, but I've kind of done the same thing. That's a really cool gesture by George. It's a, it's a really, uh, it's just a cool memento, you know, like, and not saying that I wouldn't remember that game, but I've got it up on the wall, you know, it's just neat. And I've got the lineup cards. Like, so uh, they'll give you the lineup card, um, you know, Don Gullett might come out and give me the lineup card. Hey, this is their lineup today, right? right? It's not really anything official as far as, like, in the grand scheme of things, yeah. but I've got that for who I face with Philadelphia, who I face with Chicago, Pittsburgh. Like, I've got, I think I've got them all. Right. So it's just little things like that that I've got. And, look, it, it's not necessarily – it is cool for me to be able to see these things and being 20 years past it, you know, kind of remembering those things. Um, but it's – 
it's more cool for Joshua or really for my kids, even my girls, even though they're not baseball, they don't play baseball. Um, from a, from a memory standpoint and a, um, even their kids, you know, Hey, your grandfather played major league baseball. He played professional baseball and made it to the big leagues. Here's a couple things that we have from that time. And this is how they used to do it. And this, whatever, you know, I just think it's kind of neat. Um, I'm not like a history buff or anything like that, but it is kind of cool to see, to see old stuff and to see, you know, the history of your family, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's just neat. So I, I did try to hold on to, to some of those things and really then not that I had no idea how many kids, if I was going to have any kids, but you always hope, you know, you have a son that, that can kind of follow in your footsteps and, you know, Joshua, it didn't, you know, ended up that we had Joshua and I could give him all this stuff. So it's pretty neat, yeah. you know, and he, he, um, he recognizes, I think he recognizes the significance of it as he's getting older and he's kind of going through it himself. Mm-hmm. He, he recognizes it. It's, it's pretty neat, man. It's fun. And all your kids, they got the athletic ability from Corey for sure. Of course. Uh, I see Josh post about his baseball exploits and he's, you know, growing in that sport and obviously uh presley and nelly are very good cheerleaders and so uh tip of the cap to Corey for giving them all that athletic ability they really are <laughs> they really they really are pretty athletic yeah, um and so it, it is fun it is fun to watch and Corey is athletic man she she did some stuff in high school and growing up um you know i mean for her to really kind of shut i'm not gonna say shut her life down for me but she kind of had to make a choice also yeah. to kind of drop everything, whatever it was that she wanted to do at that time and, and, and come with me on the road, you know? So yeah, she does. She gets a lot of credit. She doesn't get enough credit. <laughs> let me put it, let me put it that way. Um, so many ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, final thought or two here, Josh, and we've gone an hour. Are you still good to keep typing? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Your agent. How many agents did you go through? How do you audition the agents? Again, this was 20 years ago. Spikes, Nike, Adidas, Reebok. What was your, what was your jam when, and, and stuff that agents would help negotiate for you? Man, that's a good question. It really is. Like This is the detailed things that most people don't think about. Yeah. Um, so my agent, let me, let me back up. I was not a first-rounder, right? So... Even back then, if you were going to be like a high round guy, if you were if you were if you were a first rounder, there was a good chance that the Scott Borises of the world and those and those uh, those corporations, those you know, yeah, corporations would come would come knocking or come calling. I was not in that. I was not in that in that same sentence there. So so I met my agent through. The head, the coach that I was telling you about the Tidewater Mets, the yeah. the scout, his yeah. name is Robert Jones. Yeah. Robert Jones, as we go through that fall in my senior year, and I'm pitching well, and scouts are at the games, and I had a really good game against um, against Mark Teixeira's team called the Oriolanders, and uh, pitched really well. I mean, like seven scoreless, right. like really kind of, in lack of better terms showed who I was. And that's right. just for reference for folks. This is towards the end of your high school career before you got drafted, correct? Fall, fall of my senior year. Fall of your senior year. Okay. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. So, um, so I pitch really well. 
And this is like one of those things that really sticks out in your mind, right? I pitched really well and I pitched on a Saturday night. Don't ask me why I know these things. Like I'm I'm really like Rain Man when it comes no, to some, some yeah, things. Like all that, right? pro athletes like have a steel trap when it comes to memories and like counts and so what you're telling me, um, I've experienced before just talking to people. So don't apologize for it. It's great that you still have that um, clear as day memory for it. So it's a Saturday night, right, or the, Saturday? The, the game that I pitched was on Saturday night. So Sunday morning, we were in, we were in Maryland, um, Glen Burnie, Maryland, yeah. okay? And uh, we were facing another team. I was not playing because I had pitched the night before. Typically, I would be playing shortstop. Like I, I was a two-way guy, so I would hit in the lineup. Like I was, I played a lot, but for whatever reason that day, they gave me the kind of the day off. Yeah. And uh, and I remember overhearing my manager, that coach Robert Jones, talking to a scout, and he said, "Yeah, he punched his meal ticket last night. Like that was, if it didn't do it before, it did then." And I just I remember hearing that, you know, um, and so. On to my agent, Robert Jones, as we progress through that fall and going into the spring, he's like, hey, he's like, I got a guy that I think you guys would love. And, you know, he's kind of, I don't know if he had just been getting started, but he had a few guys and he was like, you know, really back then they couldn't talk to you. They, they couldn't be your agent. They couldn't even really advise you. Um within reason you know what i'm saying so when it came to negotiations and things like that he didn't i didn't use him um you know my parents did it and it may have been from a few conversations through robert jones with joe comb and how all that stuff worked um but we met joe and joe is like i said they don't come any better he's 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 a great guy and man he um we loved him i mean we really gelled from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a believer. He loves the Lord. Man, he's a family guy. Wow. I mean, every check the boxes. Check the boxes. Mm. He he was he was the perfect person for me. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, could keep me humble when I needed it. Yeah. And so uh, we started that process. I, I signed seventh round pick by, by the Reds. And we had talked, you know, and I think he said, you know, as far as what he had kind of, I say advised us, it doesn't matter now, but, you know, as far as what slotted money, like round money was back then, you know, um, I did have the leverage of VCU and all that stuff as I had yeah. described before. But, um, man, he really just became an integral part of my life. And, and I feel bad. Like, I really do feel bad. And I don't know if he'll ever listen to this or not, but... Um, you know, over the years since I stopped playing baseball, you know, I mean, we've kind of stayed in touch, but not nearly as much as we should have. And that's on me. You know, I mean, he lives in Virginia Beach, so you can make I can make effort. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but he knows he if he doesn't, he does. He knows that I love him. You know, I do. I truly love that guy. And and he loved me and he did everything he could for me. I mean, I told I just texted him the other day. Really, I texted him the other day, and I was like, um, "I feel bad. I'm sorry that I didn't that I didn't make it worth your while 
more for all the hard work that he put in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's a gamble on their part. They oh, could yeah. do a ton of work. They could get shoes and deals and all this stuff, you know, and, and it not come to fruition that this kid's going to make it. And so, yeah, I did make it, but I didn't make it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't get it. You're supposed to make you – you have to make more than the minimum to really be able to pay somebody, you know. And so I didn't – I didn't, and it's unfortunate. I feel horrible for that. But it's just not what happened. You know, it's just how it happened. But he, uh, he would get me shoes. You know, if I – it wasn't like I called every week and, hey, Joe, man, I need, a, I need a pair of shoes because I wanted them. Like, it wasn't like that. He's like, I'll get you two pairs of shoes this year. Let me know what you want. I'll get you some spikes. He kind of gave me a list of like, hey, these are the things that I'm going to take care of for you. Right. You just let me know what that is. Yeah. And that was fine. And and uh, he might have even bought he might have even bought a glove before I got my glove deal with Rawlings. If there's anything that I miss, it's that glove deal with Rawlings. Oh, Dude, I still have all the Rawlings. I still have almost all the Rawlings gloves that I had. I gave one away, and I regret that. Um, but <laughs> Rawlings, I'm a, I'm a Rawlings guy. I'm okay. not a Wilson guy. Yeah. Nothing against Wilson, yeah. but it just I just didn't like them. I didn't. Rawlings is it just it just worked. Work I don't better. think Mizuno still is in business. Maybe they are, but I love yeah. their gloves. They they just I used them in college. As I was doing minor league broadcasting from 02 to 06 with the White Sox down in Winston-Salem, I would be out there not hitting BP, but catching up at first base occasionally. And I I still have the – it's in my house here in Lynchburg, the Mizuno mitt I used in my pro ball days. But uh, anyway, a Mizuno guy, so you're a Rawlings guy. For gloves, when it comes to that. I wore Nike shoes um, pretty much my whole career. And – I don't know why. I just they just felt comfortable. Yeah. Side note to Mizuno. Okay, yeah. I'm in Big League Camp 2003. There's reps around. You yeah. know, I'm just a young guy. I don't know who's who. Kent Merker was in camp. Kent Merker's a great guy. Yeah. He's been in the. He spent a long time in the big leagues. Yeah. Threw a no hitter. You know, yeah. pitched for the Braves. He's like he tells the Mizuno guy, "Hey, I think you should go talk to Josh." Dude, how awesome is that? You know, like, he had no reason to even say that. So the Mizuno rep comes over. He's like, hey, man, this is what we've got. We'll, you know, take a look. What do you think? We'll let you, know, try on whatever you want to try on. It was for spikes. And back then, they had this new thing called, it was the nine, their nine spike. I don't know. Right. Dude, I wore them, like, for a day, two. I hated them. <laughs> they felt like bricks on my feet. Right. And I... I punch myself for giving that up. I could have had a Mizuno deal for shoes, which gives you clubs and pretty much anything else that you want. Not, well, I mean, within reason. Sure. And I was like, man, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Nike's Nike or Nike's the way to go for me. Yeah. I gave it up. What an idiot! Who would? Come on, Josh. Come on, Josh. So yeah, clubs. You mean golf clubs? Golf the, clubs, because yeah, yeah. Mizuno blades. Right. If you got a Mizuno, a pair of Mizuno, or a set of Mizuno blades, yeah. right. they don't get much better than that. All right, let's fast forward to present day. You're coaching, you're giving lessons, you're being a dad, you're working at, you know, anything doors, and you're just a renaissance man in this community, man. Um, how are you enjoying life right now? Um, and I know baseball still means a lot to you, but uh, 
she's just doing some good stuff in the community. And uh, that's one of the reasons we had Joan here to start. Not only did you play in the big leagues, but just what you're doing in the community, how much you enjoy life after being on the field as a player now, as a dad and a coach and all those things. Well, I, thank you. I, I mean, I f- you always feel like you could do more, you know, and I feel like I could do more. But then at the end of the day, you're tired, your arm hurts, and you've thrown a ton of BP, yeah. and there's only so much you could do. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, like I said before, I've been, I'm, I'm blessed to be at home. And, and whatever that means as far as whatever I have to do to be here for my kids' sake, uh, for my wife, you know what I mean? Like the, 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 the baseball life is a hard life, and a lot of marriages don't last, yeah. and a lot of families don't last because you know just because of the how hard it is and so yeah I had to make you know I had to make a decision and and so being here is is great and I'm coaching coaching at LCA coaching with Randy Randy Tomlin and Jim Cleveland over there and it's great man I mean I really it, it really is great I really have enjoyed the last year being over there Growing up, I say growing up, watching Joshua grow up and, and being here with him, being able to coach him in Little League and travel ball and everything, I couldn't have asked for anything better. You know what I mean? I've been there. I didn't miss anything. I haven't missed anything with my girls. Man, I was a, I was a parent. Uh, I was a parent cheerleader. We had a parent team. Like, who would ever thought? I went to one practice before I fell out. So I was part of it for like two seconds. Um, but, yeah, you're cheer dad, and uh, we are as well in my household. But uh, – yeah, um, you could be a cheerleader right now. You hoisted a number of people up during that practice or two I was there. You know, the sad thing is, is I, I really did enjoy it. I know. It was did. fun. It was, it was fun. It's, it's hard. Yeah. If anything, it gave me a, a – not that I didn't respect cheerleading before that or tumbling or any, anything like that, but it is hard, man. What those, what those, what those cheerleaders do, uh, especially like at the college level, mm. when those guys – so I went to a college game after that. I went to a college basketball game. I think it was UVA-NC State. So I went with a friend of mine that I was working with at the time. He took me and Joshua up there. And I'm watching the cheerleaders, okay? I did watch the game. I was interested in the game. Right. But I'm over there watching the cheerleaders and watching these guys hold these girls up with one arm. Like, just like it's nothing. I'm like, oh, my gosh. That is so hard. That is so hard. And they make it look so easy at the college level. And so um, it, it did. It gave me a new perspective on that. But to say all that, I'm glad to. I'm glad to be here. I, I need to be here. Like like I said beforehand, I, I don't know what what the future holds and what the Lord has for me, right? But um, I feel like I am doing some good. I, I'm doing some good for the Lord. It's not for me. It's not for anybody else. Like I want to do what He wants me to do every day. Man, we fail every day, right? And and not to not to knock ourselves down, but um, could we could we do better? Yeah, but I am. I'm able to coach at LCA, and and I feel like I can make an impact on everybody that I come across, like that that I come in contact with, especially on the baseball field because of my experience. And so, being with kids that are anywhere from 13 to 18, 19 years old, I can make a big impact on them. And it's and it's funny, like when you get into it on a daily basis. You realize, I realized just how little I was able to do, right? Like we're working with these guys, we're practicing five days a week or, you know, we're playing and practicing and we're on the field a lot. And it's like the deeper I got into it, the more I realized, man, there's not enough time. Like 
I want to tell this kid this, 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 this. Because you, you can kind of see the future, right? Not necessarily their future, yeah. but you can be like, hey, these are the things that you're going to run across. This is the things you're, these are the things you're going to need to know as a baseball player, as a, as a man, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a believer. These are the things that you need to know. And I'm sure Randy would say the same thing. Like, we just don't have enough time. Right. And, uh, but it's great, man. It really is. It's, it's, it's great. I love it. And, and working with Randy has been, has been great. Uh, working with Jim Cleveland has been great. I mean, both of them. I think we made a really good team. We were one, we were one game away. We really, uh, man, it was, it was a rough, rough season there at the end. One game out of the state championship. But what a great, what a great time. And, and I really do appreciate it and enjoy it and can't wait for this coming year. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hill City Highlights podcast. Have an idea for future shows? Email our team at hillcitypod at gmail.com. And join us each week for another episode of the Hill City Highlights podcast.